I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories, coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas, with another installment of Throwback Thursday. Teaching We were all indebted to our teachers, and I suspect most of us can remember many, or even most of them, fondly. This podcast is in honor of them. The great thing about a teacher is that their influence never ends, it is said, and is true. The substance and discipline our teachers taught us are passed on to our students, and so on and so on. I guess that's one way of hoping for some degree of immortality. When I was in medical school, I learned some things. One was that one of the two best ways of learning something was to learn with the idea of you later having to teach it. As they say in surgery, see one, do one, and teach one. As the saying goes, the teacher always learns twice or more. The students will really let you know if you know the subject. And by the way, it's okay to say to a question, I don't know. In medical school, I did a survey of whom I considered my best teachers and they all varied in their approaches and how they did it. I was initially disappointed with my survey. However, finally, I found one common thread among all of them. They all would rather be teaching at that moment than anything else. As they say, be interested in your subject and be interesting. Love your subject and your students, no matter how few show up. It is important to know your audience, who they are, what they need, and what they are expecting from you. Not too much and not too little. Stay on subject. Because we all daydream during lectures and presentations, we probably need to do what we see ministers do, sort of a vaudeville act. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then finally tell them what you told them in case they were daydreaming out of the room during the important messages. One person told me that the essence of teaching was to have the humility to prepare like hell and the self-confidence to carry it out. During the USCAP and ASN presentations, I stayed in my room for a couple of days before my presentations, reading the world's literature. I'm not sure that helped me much in those presentations, but the reading would be helpful later on in the future. As pathologists and professors, we all tend to show way too many slides. I'm an expert at that. If we don't use our slides, it's like throwing away little children. However, we need to remember, and I need to constantly remind myself of this, that we are the only ones that know what slides we don't show. Speaking of slides, it's also a temptation to put too much stuff on a slide. The average person can only remember short-term four or so things at one time. Also, as Pat Walker has pointed out to me, don't just read your slide text verbatim. The audience can read it for themselves and have usually quickly read through your slides before you finish number one on your list. Give them highlights, summarize, expand. Less is more. I don't know any teacher who is criticized for truncating their lecture and ending early. And you don't know, usually the setup in the room you are presenting in, 
So it's important to try to keep the slides as simple as possible so that they can be read from the back of the room you're presenting in. Some people prepare for hours in front of a mirror like a magician, and others dry lab it. I guess it depends on just your style, whether you're a practice player or not, whatever style you're used to. Tape recording your lecture, presentation, may seem like cruel and unjust punishment. Most of us don't like to hear ourselves on a tape recorder, uh, now make that a digital recorder, but it certainly will call your attention to the us in your presentation. In any event, teachers have class. Uh, sorry. One of the best ways of learning is to learn with the idea of the questions you will be asked at your presentations. When Isidore Rabbi was a kid, when he returned home from school, his dad didn't ask him, Well, son, did you learn anything today? But instead, Son, did you ask any good questions today? He, Isidore, would eventually go on to win the Nobel Prize for Particle Physics when he was at Columbia University and head, I believe, of the AEC, the Atomic Energy Commission. Quite a famous person. Another story about him I have to tell. When Dwight D. Eisenhower was president of Columbia University, before he was president of the USA, during his presidential address at Columbia, Dwight kept saying, as employees of Columbia University, he said it twice. Dr. Rabbi then stood up and said, Mr. President, we are not employees of Columbia University. We are Columbia University. I love that. The Nobel Prize winners I've had the opportunity to be next to in residency at Columbia and work with and write a paper with at UT Southwestern in Dallas were notable for the penetrating questions they ask. I could never answer any of them. They would go on to answer them for themselves. I can always tell how deep a person is in their specialty by the way they answer questions. We are indeed a storytelling species as humans. I once gave a lecture to about 300 defense attorneys and I thought I had really nailed it. I went to the back of the audience when I was through and asked some of the attorneys I knew, how did I do? And their response was, you doctors are all the same, statistics and all that, but no stories. People love stories. They remember stories. Tell stories. And that's a true story. Physicians remember their patients and the diseases they have. That's a great way to remember. Whether one thinks about it, your residents, fellows, students of all kind, you are, for good or for bad, a role model. Once, at Brown, lecturing on the kidney, a young person came up and thinking he was going to ask a kidney question, that was my review that morning, instead he shocked me by asking for my philosophy of life. I wasn't quite ready for that, but responded, Treat everybody as if they are your father, mother, brother, sister, daughter, son, and so on. I hope that was good advice. One other thing I've been taught is after a question is asked, I was taught this by a lawyer in answering depositions, wait a second or two before answering. That way, they have finished asking the question and also gives your brain a bit of time to process the question and address, hopefully, the answer. 
Don't ever be glib. The person asking the question is usually quite serious, and their question, which reflects on them, is also quite serious to them. I'll close with yet another saying. Don't ever die with the music in you. Give everything you have. Go for it. Be entertaining as well as informative, and don't use too many abbreviations. A famous person once said, quote, There are three rules to being a good speaker. Number one, be clear. Number two, be concise. And number three, be seated or stop. End of quote. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes and Google Play stores. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.